Assalamu alaikum. Peace be on to you. Uh, I'm honored to be speaking today, and I wanted to thank Hasna for inviting me. <clears throat> Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. In the name of Allah, the merciful, the most kind. I'm going to be reading a lot of um, most of my work because I'm a writer, and that's how I speak. Um, I grew up in a devout Muslim home. We prayed all of our five daily prayers together and read the Quran twice a day, once in the morning and once right before we went to bed. My mother and father both had beautiful voices while mine was scratchy and no matter how much I practiced, it didn't change. When I was 18, my parents arranged my marriage to a man who I barely knew. Arranged marriages were a part of the Pashtun culture. It is important to note that there's a difference between arranged marriages and forced marriages. Mine was an arranged marriage. I married the man my parents chose, trusting my parents' opinion and decision because I had no dating experience and believed deeply that they knew what was best for me. It had always worked out in the past for generations, including my parents, who are still in love, mashallah, as God has willed, and I thought it would be the same for me. So my, while my friends went off to college, I got married. Prior to my marriage, my stellar grades, despite being uh, in a pr uh, pilot, independent studies program prompted my principal and teachers to promise them that I would pursue a higher education. My in-laws promised my parents that I would be allowed to go to school and continue living um, a normal life. I went to England and lived with my in-laws, a large family that I cooked, cleaned, ironed, and lived for. I barely spoke and no one spoke to me. I spent my free time in the cold cellar reading books and old newspapers I found stashed. I was ridiculed and belittled every day, but being so young and inexperienced, I accepted it as natural. It wasn't until I was 24, seven years later, that I realized that, realized that I was deeply unhappy and that I was being abused. I left my marriage with the love and support of my parents, who regretted their decision of choosing a husband, uh, so badly a husband for me. My parents were the only parents who allowed their daughters to leave a marriage in, the ex in our extended family. Until my divorce, my extended family considered me a role model for their daughters. I was a young woman who left her parents' ho home in bright, auspicious colors, the one who married um, who her parents wanted, the one who stayed because her parents said so, and the one who would leave only when dead, wrapped in a white shroud. In the Pashtun culture, a girl's reputation is like a mirror. A chip or a crack makes it look ugly. I had become the ugly mirror with a huge, irreparable crack. After my divorce, I found, found myself sitting in my parents' family room, not laughing at jokes I once found funny. I no longer felt a bond with my friends. The talk of the latest clothes meant nothing to me. I realized that the world had somehow passed me by. At family gatherings, my divorce was like a terrible secret no one wanted to mention. At weddings, I was excluded from traditions because I was considered bad luck. My applying henna to the bride's hands would uh, make the bride have an unhappy marriage like my own, or even worse, end up in a divorce. I learned to grieve my lost youth, my abusive past, and failed mar marriage by myself. By 20 29, I was done with school and working successfully and happily as a human resource manager. Well, in my mind, I was a success, but in the minds of some of the same extended family members, I was a failure because I was a divorcee. Nothing could erase the dirty name of divorced one from my being. Not my degrees, not my money, and not my happiness. Yet having goals and reaching them by myself helped make my connection to Allah stronger. 
Not only was I praying daily, but I spent lots of time alone, like I had in my previous marriage, in quiet, reflecting. I spoke to Allah daily and knew deep in my heart that Allah heard me, and this belief let me, left me content. A few months before my 30th birthday, I married a non-Pashtun, Muhammad Christian. He was a convert, um, born Catholic, and he converted to Islam at 18 years of age, 18 years prior. The first time my father met him, Baba pulled him into his wide embrace and into our large family. I thought I was done crying. I took for granted that I passed my test and wouldn't be tested again. For some reason, maybe it was the stories that I had read, the movies that I watched. Unless the story was ridiculously mis a miserable one, the protagonist had one major sad plot that once overcome ended in a happily ever after. Muhammad was working on his final year of, PH of his PhD at UC Berkeley and I was working full time at an office in Menlo Park when I found out that I was pregnant. At 20 weeks, we found out that our son had a heart defect. We were devastated. Doctors said that it may be a marker for some major genetic disorder. We spoke to a genetic counselor who spent most of her time trying to convince us to terminate the pregnancy. I couldn't think about such a thing, feeling him kick and knowing that he was inside of me. I had become so attached to him. We decided to keep the baby, and as the pregnancy progressed, things began looking good. The doctors told us that my son had a 98% chance of living, albeit with some um, limitations, such as being unable to play contact sports like football and requiring several surgeries throughout his life. Despite this, he could lead a fairly normal life. We were ecstatic. Ibrahim was born at 37 weeks. My labor was extremely difficult. Because of his traumatic birth, there were major complications affecting his respiratory system. I was uncautious at his birth. I still had hope, mostly because my family and my husband kept telling me that he would be home in no time. All the babies in the NICU were getting better, and so would Ibrahim. When he was three years old, I fell asleep in my hospital room and dreamt of holding a hun sorry, hundreds of balloons, so colorful, a gift from my husband. They slowly turned white and began to slip away from my fingers. It was my husband who touched my arm and held me close when I panicked. Let them go, honey. Don't you see how beautiful they make the sky? I woke up alarmed. I couldn't speak or breathe from sorrow. I prepared for my baby's departure that day. Ibrahim lived only for eight days. They were the hardest eight days of my life. Sometimes he was doing well, but other times he had dips, and doctors just couldn't figure out what was wrong with him. Despite the antibiotics and constant care, he couldn't sit, uh, sorry, kick the respiratory problems he had developed. He was unconscious the whole time because they kept him heavily sedated, sorry, heavily sedated to minimize the pain. I didn't scream or wail. I urged him to go peacefully and not fight. I couldn't bear his pain anymore. I knew his little body was tired and couldn't take anymore. It hurt to say goodbye, but I was ready to accept my pain so that my son wouldn't have to. When he finally left, I cried until the tears dried and I succumbed to exhaustion. My shirt soaked and my mouth was dry. Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi rajiun. To Allah we belong and to Allah is our return. I didn't know what to do with myself. I no longer felt him inside and I knew I would never feel him again. Well-meaning people told me to forget about my son. Other people saw me as a lost cause, never seeming to follow the right path. Being a divorcee, marrying a non-Pashtun, having a dead child, as if this was somehow my fault, a fact that complicated things for me even more. A woman once came to visit me after my son died, and she said, the story written on your forehead is the worst I've personally known. 
I sobbed, feeling pathetic. Losing Ibrahim was the biggest test of my faith. I went to the most sor sorrowful part of hell possible on earth and back. There were nights I found myself moaning in anguish, holding my pillow close to my belly. When I eventually fell asleep, I found myself restless, dreaming about him in the hospital and all the pain I saw him endure, reliving the torture through these visions. I remember spending the rest of the night crying, wondering if there was something I had done during my pregnancy that led to his illness. I prayed for patience and for my sanity. The sheer size of my loss led me to some sort of an equanimity. It also made me face things I'd never thought about before, such as mortality, God's will over mine, and whether God still loved me. I began to see God was not the uh, cosmic Santa Claus I thought he was. I wouldn't be punished or rewarded on things for, uh, on earth for the things I did. Mortality was a fact, and people I loved would die no matter what. They didn't belong to me or anyone else. People told me to forget my past, to move on, that remembering my son and my past was me being ungrateful to my creator. Was I a sinner for being divorced? Did my marrying a non-Pashtun make me less Muslim? Was I the only mother to lose a child? Was it a sin to remember my dead son? When facing such a great loss, I asked myself, how am I going to honor Ibrahim? My questions led me to find that the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, own daughter, Rukaya and Umm Kulthum were also divorced, and that his own wife, Zainab bint Josh, may Allah be pleased with her, was divorced before marrying the Prophet. As for marrying a non-Pashtun, I read the Quran verse 49.13, O mankind, indeed we have created you from male and female and made you peoples and tribes that you may know one another. Indeed, the most noble of you in the sight of Allah is the most righteous of you. Indeed, Allah is know knowing and acquainted. And um, I realized I was following Allah's command by marrying outside of my culture. The Prophet Muhammad وسلم, fought, his father died before he was born. Then he lost his mother at age five. And then he went on to live with his grandfather, who passed away when he was eight. He finally went to live with his uncle Abu Talib. Uh, later in his life, he lost his beloved wife and the same uncle in the same year. He also lost six of his seven children. Fatima was the only one who lived longer than him. So the prophet, peace be upon him, knew grief well. Even a little more personally to me, I learned that the prophet Muhammad lost an infant son named Ibrahim. And it is narrated, we went to, with um, Allah's prophet, peace be upon him, to the blacksmith, Abu Saif, and he was um, the husband of a wet nurse of Ibrahim, the son of the prophet. The Prophet took Ibrahim and kissed him and smelled him, and, and later we entered Abu Saif's house, and at the, that time Ibrahim was in his last breath. The eyes of the Prophet started shedding tears. Uh, one, of the, uh, one of the companions said, Oh, Allah's Prophet, even you, you are weeping? He said, Oh, uh, oh, I'm sorry, this is a mercy. And then he wept more and said, The eyes are shedding tears and the heart is grieved, and we will not say except what pleases our Lord. O oh, Ibrahim, we are grieved by your separation. And he turned his face toward the mountain before him and said, O oh, mountain, if you were as sorrowful as I am, you would certainly crumble into pieces. But we, we say what Allah has ordered us, and we are servants of Allah, and we will re return to Allah. We thank Allah, the creator of the universe. And this is Hadith Bukhari. And I read about the prophet Yaqub, or Jacob, peace be upon him, who was temporarily, temporarily separated from his son, Yusuf, peace be upon him, or Joseph. Yaqub could not tolerate the separation. He cried so much that for Yusuf that his eyes turned white. 
and he could not see. The Quran states that Yaqub said, Oh, my sorrow over Yusuf, and his eyes became white from grief, and because of the sorrow he suppressed. As for my continued grief over my dead son, I learned through my own experience that grief is not linear. Some days are good, and others, other days I am just as devastated as the day I lost Ibrahim. Then I learned that the Prophet, peace be upon him, lost his beloved wife and friend Khadija. May Allah be pleased with her. And once, years after Khadija died, he came across a necklace that she wore. And when he saw it, he remembered her and began to cry and mourn. His love for her never died. Verse after verse and numerous prophets' sayings led me to believe that I was not alone or even wrong. I didn't have to suffer, suffer. that the loneliness I felt didn't come from Allah, but how people in my life chose to follow their religion and ultimately my choice to listen to these people. As for how I choose to remember my son, I choose to write about him and share my story to destigmatize the talking about subjects like abuse, divorce, death, grief, mental health, and so many other issues that like in many other communities we have in Muslim communities. I want to use my experience to let people know we should be able to have difficult conversations and talk or write about difficult things. These stories humanize us and help us help create empathy for each other and this empathy hopefully puts mercy in our hearts for each other. If I can leave everyone with one thought, it would be this. We all feel dip, deeply about something and we all expre- express ourselves differently. And as Muslims, we believe in the mercy and love of Allah. We must create a loving and safe environment for other people to feel this, feel this as well. My life is not over with. I may or may not have any more tests. I don't take anything or anyone for granted. It's humbling to accept that I know nothing. When I meet Ibrahim again, inshallah, God willing, I will tell him that his little time on earth changed me. His death gave me the gift of faith, love, forgiveness, patience, empathy, attributes that I never once thought I would attain. Giving up willingly something I loved so much has made the person, me the person I've always wanted to be. Who knew that I would have to lose a part of my heart to learn to love more? May Allah bless us with a heart full of love and mercy. May we share this love and mercy, and may the same love and mercy be given back to us from the creation, most of all from the creator. And may Allah grant us the ability to listen mindfully to the story of others. Amen.